Shia LaBeouf podcast. This is episode 16, A Guide to Recognizing Your Saints from 2006. And Shia watched this during his marathon at 10.05 p.m. on day two. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And after this movie ends, no, actually, hold on, I want to look at his calendar again. No, we have one more movie. The next movie we do is starting on day two. It starts at 11.45 that night. Okay. So we're almost entering the final stretch, the final countdown of Shia. Day three. We're still on day two. Yes, exactly. This is a movie that, as I told you before we started recording, I somehow saw five years ago, and I remembered nothing about it, which is surprising to me because Shia's in it, Robert Downey Jr. is in it, and Channing Tatum is in it. You'd think you would remember something about some, like one of those people. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and it's a it's a New York movie with Chaz Palminteri as well. So like very well known to be like a New Yorky guy and, and Rosario Dawson. Yeah, and this this movie is it left an impression on me. So it's kind of strange that you didn't really have any recollection of it. But yeah, but at least you got to see it again. I got to see it again, and I really liked it. This is one I don't I don't want to keep I don't want to bash Keanu Club because I feel like I'm too hard on Keanu Club when we're recording those. We we're sort of finally getting to parts in Keanu's career where, you know, as we're recording this that we we really like, I really like what's going on, you know, we're, spe- we're especially in the mid-90s now, we have Speed, we have the Matrix movies coming up, etc. It's movies like this that I feel like I get the same kind of excitement that I had during Cage Club, mm-hmm. where I'm just like, there's all these movies that, like, I just know nothing about, even if I've seen them before, you know, yeah. but, like, that I know nothing about, then they turn out to be, like, these, you know, maybe not, like, the best movie of all time, but, like, a great performance and, like, a great ensemble cast and, like, a really good movie yeah there's like an excitement here and sort of like a i don't know what i'm gonna get but for some reason in my head i know it's gonna be good as opposed to keanu or just like oh another high school movie yeah and i'm way more i was way more familiar with keanu's career when we started that and we're going in order so there's just a different sense to the two shows in a way um but but you're right about shia there's a lot more here to discover just in the different types of movies he's been in and there's a lot more here that i never knew about like this movie i'd never heard of this before somehow even robert downey's in it like you said etc jenning tatum you think i would have gone back and discovered it at some point but this surfs up that redford movie i mean yeah it is just this has just been a more exciting sort of run so far uh again i don't want to come down too hard on keanu either because i love what's going on over there as well you know but it <laughs> it's just a different it's just a different energy there's just a different beat and now that we're coming into, I think, Keanu's, you know, better stretch of films and stuff, like, it'll be a lot more fun and everything. But yeah, here, this is this was a pleasant surprise. This is a movie that's based on a book that this guy, Dito Montiel, who is the star, he's the main character in this movie. He's not the star, but he's the main character in this movie. He wrote a book based on his life, and then he adapted that book into a screenplay and then directed the movie. And this is a movie that was supposed to originally have been directed by Robert Downey Jr., but in the four years of pre-production that, that this movie had before it actually got made, Downey became busy with whatever. I mean, he wasn't in the Marvel Universe yet, but he was doing whatever he was doing then. And so he stayed on as a producer and sort of the star. Like, he and Chayup both played Dito, mm-hmm. or Ditto, depending on who you ask. So it's cool to see... I mean, we, we talked about, I think, recently... Oh, for Nymphomania when we had Jerome we had Shia and then we had old Shia or old Jerome was some other actor which we hadn't seen on Cage Club we had young Cage but not old Cage like if, right. if it was old Cage it was just him I love a world where Shia becomes Robert Downey yes. like that's amazing like I love I love that yeah that was kind of a shocker for me too I, I didn't expect 
Shia to be the main character or to portray the main character, to be one of the actors to portray the main character. I thought he was going to be part of the gang, you know, one of the background kids, maybe Channing Tatum's brother, the one, you know, someone with lesser lines. But yeah, it was really cool to see that. And yeah, we've also seen like in Bogus Journey, we've seen young Keanu portrayed like a young Ted. But yeah, this is the first time our focus actor has been the younger version. And I don't know, it's just something kind of cool about that too. Yeah, and another thing too is like the the two character, the two actors, Downey and Shia. Like it's not like they look very similar or have the same mannerisms necessarily. But I totally buy that they're playing the same guy you know what i'm saying like i could feel like i see through all that other uh, superficial stuff and they really are able to capture like who this guy seems to be i mean it reminds me in a way and i still haven't seen this movie since we last talked about it on some other podcast but for love and mercy like you have paul dano and you have john cusack Mm -hmm. and they're both playing brian wilson yes and i know you saw that movie and i still haven't seen that movie but is is it the same sort of like both actors are believable in the part like you can see that they're playing the same guy I, i would say yes to a degree that that movie is a little bit of a different case because of how drastically different Brian Wilson became down the line, you know, suffering from mental illness. So you get Paul Dano playing sort of the straight thinking or the before the mental illness and then Cusack down the line when he's kind of recovering from all of that. So it's a little different to kind of tell. They're both good in that role. I both I do like that movie. All right. All right. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. This is a, it's a weird movie because it's like a coming of age story, right? It's a, sort of mm-hmm. a slice of life. It's a movie that I was watching, and the best way I can describe it is that, like, you either think that a lot of terrible things are going to happen, or, like, something's just hovering over them and nothing ever happens. Like, an hour, almost an hour into the movie, one of their friends gets run over by a train, and then, like, 15 minutes later, another one of his friends gets shot and killed, and that's after his dad has a seizure. Yeah, and he gets beaten with a baseball bat, Shia gets beaten down. Yeah, it all kind of comes to a head, I'd say, at one point. You're right. Like, there's, it's, it takes place mostly during the summer of 86, which is a super hot summer in New York City. And yeah, it all just kind of feels like this entire movie, things like a big, like this pot of water bubbling and bubbling, and eventually it's all going to just boil over at some point. What I thought was kind of funny is that it takes place in, like, July 86, I think, and Shia was born in June 86. So this oh. is basically him playing a guy when he was basically a baby. So I thought that was kind of, like, weird timing, because when I saw the date come up, I was like, wait, he was born right around then. He's born, like, at the end of June 86. So, uh-huh. sort of, I guess, an important time in his life, you know, not for the same reasons. But this is a movie that Dino Montiel, this is his first feature film. He had made some shorts before this, and it's, I think it's really good. Like, it sort of feels, in a way, visually, and not narratively, but visually kind of like a Spike Lee movie, where it's just like... Oh, that's a good call. He captures New York, like, in, like, its sweaty essence. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of the Spike Lee movies, you know, at least the, the ones from the 80s and 90s or whatever, you sort of get this sense of, like, everybody's just kind of angry because they're all just, like, hot, and they're just... Like, there's, <laughs> there's just no relief or anything. Yeah. Yeah, and also, visually, I definitely pick up on that, too. Like, I'm picking up on, like, Do the Right Thing. Two things I liked about this movie, the form of it, like, first, as far as it being an adaptation, it's aware that it's an adaptation, you know? Like, it starts with Robert Downey Jr. as the older Dito in front of a crowd saying, I'm going to read from my book. And he starts reading, and then we flash back to his younger days and stuff. So I really like that we go in and out of the story in that way. It kind of sets it apart from stuff that we've seen before as far as book adaptations. And then the other thing I like is like the editing of this. It's like watching memories in a way. The editing and the audio overlaps and cuts and jump cuts and there's a lot of stuff like that. Like 
like there's a lot of gaps, I feel, intentionally to give you the sense of him trying to remember the way it was back then and not quite getting it and seeing things in a certain way. And at times, like, and, and then especially, like, in the beginning, the characters kind of approach the camera and look directly at it. And I got a yeah. lot of that sort of freeform filmmaking that Spike Lee did early on in his career a lot. What I really liked but thought was weird is that they kind of have the character introductions like 40 minutes into the movie. They have... Oh, yeah, like, yeah. We, we see all these guys. Like, we saw... We, we really basically know who they are. There's the girl who's just like this loudmouth who just like yells at everybody and curses all the time. So and angry. Channing Tatum as is sort of just like this mean idiot who like I think Shia says at one point about him like he's not always like that just when he's around people and it's just like <laughs> well that's then that means like he's like that all the time. Yeah, he's crazy. And like we have his brother and, like so we sort of know who everybody is, but then like forty minutes in we have like you're what you're saying, everybody's just looking at the camera and just saying, I'm blank and this is who I am, like in one sentence. Shannon Tatum walks down the street, he's just like, I'm just I'm just an asshole or whatever. Like whatever uh, he just I, says. I'm like, a piece of shit and I know it. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't even say his name because it, it doesn't matter. Like he just at his core, like who he is is just a piece of shit, I guess. It's never not interesting, I think. And I think it's a really impressive debut. And I think that this is, you know, we've we've run into trouble on all three podcasts that we've done, and also on the Zack Attack a little bit. Getting adapted from books is troubling. And I feel like because the guy adapted from his own book, oh, yeah. I guess it, it, it's sort of the same thing. Like, if you're confident in your screenwriting abilities, you can adapt from someone else's work and still make a coherent movie. But I feel like a lot of the times that we see these bad adaptations, people are afraid to really change the story. You know, they want to make sure they include everything or whatever. But here, like, he knows what the essence is. He knows that maybe it's maybe it's like a different story from the book because like what I was mm-hmm. reading on IMDb was that like some characters who die in this movie weren't actually his friends like they were just sort of like amalgamations or like combinations of other people he knew mm-hmm. the people who live the people who die in this movie he's sort of giving off the vibe like he yeah. knows what it was like because he grew up there and I think because he's willing to sort of roll with the punches and like change things up and like present a picture that's going to work better on screen as opposed to just trying to stay con- like stay 100% true to the book I think that works well for Everybody works well for him as a director, for the guys as actors, and for us as the viewers. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I thought about that when he's in the beginning of the film, when Downey starts reading sort of the first part of the book out loud, and they flash back and show what he's reading. He's saying one thing about the girls approaching the camera, and they're looking completely different than the way he's describing them. And so I was like, okay, this is going to be not like an unreliable narrator, but he's playing with the material, and they're getting that out up front, and there's sort of clues to that. And that's why I think I accept it. I didn't didn't necessarily take it as truth, per se, as, like, these events actually happened, but more, like, based on real life, like, these are people of the neighborhood. This was the neighborhood I came from. This was my environment, and this is what, you know, molded me, etc., stuff like that. And and that comes through really well. I think that's really difficult to do and and not come across sort of, like, too self-gratifying, you know? Like, I never get the sense that he feels like he's self-important or anything like that, like, he doesn't come across exceptionally perfect at the end of this movie per se he's just a person you know and all of that are reasons why this works really well and definitely you know i think he's just a really good director or he's a really good writer because even adapting your own stuff like you could get into trouble and this worked out really well and what i like about this like especially the shia part who is playing the writer is that he's kind of like that kid in Fury that they, they eventually dub Machine. Mm-hmm. Like, he's kind of like a cipher for the audience. Cipher? Siphon? He's he's an embodiment for the audience. Like, he doesn't really do much. He's just sort of there to, like, observe and report 
what his friends are doing. Yeah. That like this is when my one friend or somebody I knew got run over by a train, or this is when you know I got beaten up by it with like a baseball bat, and then my other friend like killed the guy who did it to me and went to jail. Or, like, this is when the girls did this, or my dad did this, or whatever. Because he's sort of, like, I don't want to say he's neutral, but because he's sort of reserved in his behaviors and that he's not really doing anything crazy, like, the whole, like, his whole arc in this movie is that he's tired of the city, he's sort of tired of his life, and he wants to go to California with this Scottish kid who just moved to school. All he wants to do is leave, and, like, until he actually does that, and we know that he does that, because as we see in 1986, we see Robert Downey Jr. in present day, I think, you know, coming back for the first time. Yeah. So we know that he gets out, we know that he's still alive, so we know that he's eventually going to leave and sort of fulfill this goal. In the meantime, while we see him in Astoria, he's just sort of there, rolling with the punches, and like, kind of, when his friend is learning how to drive a car, like, he gets in the back seat. Like, he's not important. Yeah. He's not in, in the front seat. He's just there, like, sort of documenting what's going on. Yeah, no, I, I totally understand what you're, what you're saying there. I mean, I almost got, like, a like a stand-by-me kind of vibe, too, where... Okay. Okay. You know, where in that the main character is kind of just like like this, like, and it actually that character has father issues also. Like these are more pronounced, though. I think like that's another level to this movie is like Shia's father issues with Chaz Palminteri and how you could clearly tell that Chaz wants Channing Tatum to be his son instead. Yeah. The neighborhood doesn't understand why anyone would want to leave and Shia's like I can't understand why anyone would want to stay uh, there's just a lot of good conflict between his him as a person and his values and his environment here it feels very naturalistic it feels very like when you're in that the first 30 minutes of this are like explosive when we're introduced to the kids walking down the street kicking over garbage cans like throwing bottles in the street they go into Shia's house and have like talked to his parents and it's just like chaotic but the energy is just you could feel it and stuff so I mean it, it worked even though Shia is sort of I don't want to say he's like one dimensional but you're right like he's there he's the observer like he it, it's going to be more like Channing Tatum's story in a way in a weird way if you know what I'm saying like not that he's the main character but it's mostly about how that guy how Channing Tatum affects him how their friendship causes the events to unfold that's kind of right, weird yeah. like he's the, he's the main character but he's not he's an observer in his own life which is cool I mean like there's a lot of layers to sort of sift through here like we have the layer of the book which then becomes the screenplay, which then becomes sort of like the working screenplay, kind of, like whatever winds up on screen. Mm -hmm. And so you sort of have like three different layers of the potential to attribute one person's actions for another. So I wonder if any of this was stuff that Dito or Ditto did and just sort of passed it off to someone else, hmm. or if he really was just there honestly kind of as like a boring character tired of what's going on i mean even like his girl like his romantic relationship he never really seems too into her he the only time like he really ever i guess makes a move on her is when he shows up to her apartment either like drunk or stoned right and like oh, he's yeah, just like yeah. professes just, his he, love he, to her well he's just like talking real dirty and her mom's like or, or she's like my mom is right there like what are you saying she can hear this and i feel like it's sort of like that's out of character for him that i i don't know like I just he's kind of boring which makes him this good central focus because everything else he's just sort of like a he's able to have like a clear eye to what's going on around him. We should note that he's playing these guys are young right they're only 15. I don't want to say that maybe there isn't much dimension to them or they don't really know themselves yet that well and you know they're bored they're anxious they're angsty and 
they're trying to figure out who they are to a degree. I, I, don't, I don't know. Like with, like with Channing, for example, what is he? You know, like he gets beat by his dad, and so like he picks on other people. There's really not much more to him than that. But he is great in this, and his character is, is great. And like his brother, what does he do? He's basically drunk and going to the bathroom in a corner in every sequence he's in, right? Or like walking around yeah. naked at school. But he's great. Like there's not really a lot to these kids, but I think it's just like they're in this place where they feel like they have to be tough and you know they get entangled with those taggers and there becomes like this turf war and people are getting beaten with bats and you know shot with guns and and killed eventually so like it's like they're kids that are having to deal with like these major issues but they're deciding to it's like they should just be hanging out being kids but they're trying to be like older and tougher than they actually are i don't want what i'm about to say to come off negative but like i feel like a lot of what we see in this movie is stuff we've seen in a bunch of movies. It's like young kids trying to make sense of the world around them, like you were just saying. It's about them kind of coming to terms with you know, relationships, like with other people, with their friends, with their parents, even with themselves, trying to figure out what they want to do with their future. Taking that face value, the plot itself, and sort of what's going on, there's not much to write home about. But like what makes this special, what makes this worth watching, is there's this layer of, it's, it's all personal. Like we all know that like this stuff means something to the guy who's filming it, who the yeah. guy who wrote it. Like but the story is just like kids get into trouble, a couple kids die, there's a little bit of relationship drama, whatever, and then one kid leaves. Like there's not much really that happens, but it's the fact that like this all happened to this guy and he's like, this is a story worth telling for, you know, any number of reasons. Because it means so much to him, it means more to us. Yeah, I think I think so. It also kind of reminded me, have you ever seen Basketball Diaries with Leonardo DiCaprio? No. Okay, that's definitely worth checking out too because it's about a, it's more of a, he plays like this inner city kid who had it all and gets messed up with drugs, but he's like a terrific poet and he ends up, you know, becoming a bestseller and, and it flashes back to his early life and everything. And it kind of has the same structure in a way-ish, but I got the same vibe because in that, yeah, not much happens. Like he sits around, he does a bunch of drugs and he writes a bunch of poetry, but you can feel the personal underlying meaning, you know, like that his life has meaning and like what he's doing is fucked up and crazy and it's not like he's doing a lot of stuff he's just sitting around doing drugs and writing poetry but it's riveting like i found it to be very entertaining as weird as that says but is it (laughs) like on this level too you know just in the sense that here's a movie where you're right you've seen it you've seen this stuff if it's stand by me that movie kids the movie sleepers a lot of that hot summer kids coming of age thing but there's something about the way everything comes together here i mean it's one of the ones that works better i really like enjoy this movie is very entertaining you know as soon as i feel like i've seen this before as far as story they do something with the editing and jump it around and they bring back that stuff i like where oh i you know this feels very dreamlike like a memory and stuff and that's very cool and so if there's something you've seen before with the story there's something as far as the style that's going to keep you entertained too and then there's the terrific acting by everybody in this i mean everybody's great in this i love the girl who portrays a young rosario dawson even though they're only five years apart in real life (laughs) but i think her name is meloni diaz or melanie diaz i love her in hamlet too i'm so glad i get to actually i finally say on one of these shows try and check out hamlet too it's so hilarious but yeah, I, I just think like everybody in this is great, you know, and it's not like the material needs help, but 
these guys like feel like a really good match for this material. What's kind of interesting about Rosario Dawson, I'm glad you brought that up. Aside from Robert Downey, she's the only like recognizable one of the adult age, mm-hmm. right? Of like sort of the present day. Older Channing Tatum at the very end is portrayed by Eric Roberts. Did you, oh, yeah, did you okay. catch that? He looked, he looked familiar, but I didn't know who... Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the thing I was going to say about Rosario is that apparently the girl that she played in real life was white, and they cast a white girl huh. to play the young one, and then Rosario Dawson was like, hey, I want to be a part of this movie, and so they're like, well, now we got to make the, the, the young girl not be white because like she's got to turn into Rosario Dawson. It, that's another sort of like twisting of reality to fit like... Mm a great actress and like I also like like I was saying to you while I was watching it it's Night Nurse and Iron Man together like yeah. th- there's a, there's eventually going to come to a time if we're not there already where pretty much everybody you've seen in a movie has been a superhero although Shia's never been in a superhero movie and I feel like he's not going to Suicide Squad him being close but then the studio saying you're too crazy like that might be the closest we get to like him in a although i can yeah. also see him maybe maybe i'm just thinking this because i robot's coming up but i could see him sort of in like a hancock anti-hero kind of yeah i think he'd have cool to, i could see him being a superhero that they create like an original one not something they've adapted before like a, a kick-ass yeah like a kick well kick-ass was a but like hancock like well, that's that true. Like, yeah but yeah. something along that line so i don't know if he would go property that already exists but i'd like to see him do something and then we have channing who's been rumored to be gambit for like 20 years or something like his entire yeah. career i've only seen one other movie by this guy which is fighting which also stars channing tatum and in that is terrence howard who played the original huh. roadie Rhodes war machine so all kinds of marvel connections <laughs> happening did you notice and this is sort of like a side I know. Did you know that this was executive produced by Sting? Yeah, what was that? Don't know. Didn't do any research. Kind of don't want to do any research. I'm assuming they're friends or that he read the book and liked the book or something? I don't know. I also saw in the credits that I think this was part of the Sundance Labs, which they take films and young filmmakers and really just like bang out the material until it works the way they want it. And like guys like Paul S. Anderson and Tarantino have gone through there. I mean, the countless tours have gone through there so it's kind of interesting that this guy is considered among them sort of at this point and i don't know it's just it's strange i think like this movie we would know this this filmmaker more by now or something i can't believe this is the first time i'm really coming across his name it's weird yeah i don't i don't know what i also like about his filmmaking style is that he kind of at least sort of seems to let people roll with it a little bit. Like that one scene where Chaz Palminteri has a seizure and Shia runs out. Mm. Channing Tatum throws that table or throws the chair through the glass door. Mm-hmm. Apparently that wasn't in the script. He was just like overcome by emotion and like almost like lost control. And apparently, you know, kind of did lose control, like threw something through a glass door. But everybody else in the scene was so able to like stay in character that the director that, you know, Dito looked at the dailies, I guess, or whatever, and was just like, oh, we can use this. So I like that he's telling a story about his life but he's able to like let the actors take it into their own hands and i feel mm-hmm. like as long as it fits the sort of the mood or the feeling of the time he's probably okay with it yeah that absolutely felt within character for me <laughs> you know and that kid is just i couldn't believe Jenning tatum in this movie to be quite honest like i knew it was him you know and i could recognize him but like he's just like a whole different beast than anything i've ever seen him in before i mean he he is i'm not gonna go out on a limb here i'm very confident as he's legitimately a great actor and i say <laughs> he, this on zach attack and Joe does not believe me. He's like, no, nah, he's goofy. He only does one thing. 
but like he's great man like what was the movie oh the movie that really sealed it for me in terms of Channing Tatum and this is gonna be so stupid but this is the end where he plays that like <laughs> dog <laughs> where he's just like you know bound and gagged and like all in bondage and just basically acting like a dog I was like oh if this dude is gonna go this far for this like he will do anything it's crazy like he is I think he's great. Yeah, he's he's really good. All the kids are good. There's a lot of moments that feel like they let it kind of run or I mean, the kids here just have a it feels like they have a great sense of the material that they're so in character that it I feel like a lot of things were just sort of picked up or thrown in or one time they're just like, "All right, you know, we're just going to do a take where we're walking down the street, just like yell shit at people, you know, or, or <laughs> yeah. stuff like that, right?" And then it was just whatever they could think of. Like it feels kind of loose in a good way. There's a scene I really liked kind of early on is when Shia goes there's there's a lot of people going on to Shia's house and they're talking about how the girl he likes is a swimmer, but he just keeps saying, "No, she yes. sells food at the pool." And they're like, "Yeah, she's a swimmer. She's a swimmer." Well, what what, what, she, do? what she doing at the pool if she's not a swimmer yeah it's like a game of telephone it didn't feel scripted it felt like he you know maybe the director just explained the situation and then they all totally understood everyone <laughs> felt like they're on the same page like oh yeah yeah i know when this happened this happens in my family yeah this happens oh yeah yeah i have an uncle who does that and everyone just like clicks in that moment i mean it, that's just another time everything feels real those moments really help because there's going to be those sort of trippier moments and later on there's going to be really dark moments that whether they happen that way or not we're going to have to believe them for the sake of the movie and everything and and i do i feel like everything really earns like the payoff here at the end. Yeah, I love that. I also love that that sets up when Robert Downey goes back at the end of the movie and he's like, hey, I heard you were a swimmer. And like, that's, I mean, obviously she's going to recognize him, I would think, but also just that one line, it's just like, oh, I know exactly who this is because only three people in the world like thought I was a swimmer. And if this guy knows that inside joke, I know exactly who he is. What's interesting kind of, and I sort of want to know what it would be like, but if this happened, we wouldn't be watching this movie, is that Dito originally wanted to cast all just, like, regular street kids to play in this movie. Instead, you know, I guess he was convinced about at least having auditions, and Shia came in, and he said no to Shia because he wanted an unknown. Shia begged for a second interview and then came in and like punched a wall and like punched a hole through the wall and and basically it was between that and I guess whatever he was saying and whatever else he was doing convinced the director that like he had the level of anger needed to play this guy he cast Shia and I don't know if there was resistance against Channing Tatum I did read that Dito said that he's a little bit too handsome to play his friend which I mean obviously like there's not very many people who are like on the same level handsome wise as Channing Tatum who also apparently lost a lot of weight for this movie he looks really like he's still like in shape but like he's thin like he's like yeah. compared to a couple years later when he I guess he's in magic mike probably four five six years later yeah he gets he gets yeah. big I, I even noticed Downey was like pretty thin compared to Iron Man. I was like, oh, he put on some muscle to get in that suit for Iron Man because even he was looking a little lean in this. But yeah, about Channing Tatum, like I guess that's one of his criticisms, right? Is people just look at him and he seems like a pretty boy, so they write him off, but they shouldn't because he's great. And I'm convinced this performance has just convinced me forever and ever. It's not like he's very vain in this film. Every time you see him, he's got a new bruise on his face, or he's yeah. got a bloody nose, or a black eye, or something. So. So it's not like he's walking around, you know, with makeup on, like, looking his bests or anything. So it's interesting. I never really felt like 
his looks came into play for his character because he was such an asshole all the time, you know? I didn't feel like he was getting any with any of the girls because of his attractiveness. It was more of like he was forcing them to do what he wanted or something, or like they were scared of him or anything like that, you know? So it's interesting. It didn't it didn't play against him for me. And as far as like casting Shia, I mean, that's just got to be so surreal to cast yourself and not once but twice. Yeah. It's like, who's going to play me? It's like Shia and Robert Downey Jr.? That's like got to be like the definition of vanity. Like, who can play me? Oh, just like two of the best actors of our generation. Not just Shia, but let me also cast Robert Downey like on the beginning of the upswing of the second part of his career. I guess because this is right after Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which is maybe my favorite movie of his, right? And like it just... Yeah, yeah this is like all post waking up in strangers' bedrooms half in his underwear. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know if you remember that whole phase, but yeah, that was that dark... Well, I know he went to Downey. rehab, yeah. Yeah, so I've... Yeah, and this feels like I was telling you before, like this kind of feels like one of those recovery movies for his image in a way you know just to say like no like I really am a great actor and I I really don't have to do too much and he doesn't really do too much in this movie per se but what he does is subtle and strong and just his presence just reminds me that like yeah just put him in everything because he's he's good in everything so Shia and Channing Tatum are in the movie they're like lifelong best friends before they had filmed the movie they never met each other and they only met like one day before they started shooting Hmm. and so to sort of bond, apparently. Everything that I say in terms of these is just from IMDb. Like, I don't fact-check any of these, so I might, be, I might be, like, saying all sorts of lies throughout all these episodes, but I mean, whatever. It's it's the precedent that we've set. But anyway, what I read was that they, they met one day before they started shooting, so to get to know each other, they just went out in New York and just got real drunk on the streets, and <laughs> apparently became, like, good friends, and they're still friends. So I just love that, that I guess sort of at that time, they're both maybe known or maybe unknown, but you have two guys who look famous right <laughs> just like walking the streets getting drunk and just it's it's cool and if I'm not mistaken neither of them are New Yorkers growing up were they I don't know about Shia but I was pretty sure Channing Tatum's from the south they pull it off really well like I buy their presence uh, I mean they're in Astoria they're in Queens they're not in Manhattan in this movie but still Shia's from California and Channing Tatum's from Alabama and it's 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 also kind of cool like they bonded over that night of drinking because I feel like that could go two ways right you could either be come out of a night like that best friends or mortal enemies <laughs> we've got right. one night to get to know each other let's do this <laughs> I love it and I think it worked and this is another movie like you said I mean I'm, I'm looking at the shelf now there's this that I really like there's Surf's Up which you mentioned I know you don't really love Eagle Eye but I think Eagle Eye is at least compared to his other action movies pretty good yeah yeah there's Lawless which is great there's the company you keep, there's Charlie Countryman, there's Fury. He's more hits than misses, and like the misses aren't bad. I mean, aside from Transformers. But I mean like the misses aren't bad. So it's just like this is exciting. We have a mm-hmm. lot of movies coming up that I've heard of that we have one more that I haven't seen next, which is Grace Game Ever Play, which I think's about golf, although yeah, I'm not never sure. Seen it. I think he's a caddy, I think. Or the golfer. I don't know. Is he like a young golf? Uh, we'll find out. I don't know. We'll find <laughs> out. And you'll find out tomorrow. Then we have iRobot, and then we have the first ever crossover in the Cage Club Podcast Network. We have Constantine, which we have not gotten to for Keanu Club, but we will get to for all those movies. We're going to get to who for Keanu Club, I think, sometime middle of next year-ish. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. Of what I know, I don't think any of these are bad that are left. So, I mean, he's got a pretty good track record. I'm excited to keep going. Yeah, like, I was just surprised, like, how big his role was in this movie to begin with. Like, I was totally expecting, like, one of those Keanu fakeouts that we've had from time to time. You know, yeah. like, in even Calgary's Get the Blues, especially, where, like, he, he just walks through the frame basically he's in freaked more than that i mean we were thinking just going backwards like he'd be in his movies less and less and i'm glad we're not there quite yet that that it turned out that he was front and center in this one the whole time because i just know like i robot and constantine that you know spoiler he's not really in those too much but it'll be cool to see like what kind of impression he makes will his short amount of screen time make that kind of elastic impression that warrants the work that he ends up getting down the line like all all the amount that he gets the extra the other screen time he gets this screen time that he's enjoying now i don't know much else that that we that we're getting <laughs> at either like i haven't seen battle shaker heights i haven't seen the golf movie i haven't seen most of the other stuff just like those those really mainstream movies so Looking forward to it. And especially, like, as you were saying, just to sort of follow up that, like, in a movie where you have two actors playing the same guy, I mean, it's like two-thirds or three-quarters Shia. Like, he really outpaces Robert Downey just in terms of screen time. And so it's cool to see, like, instead of 50-50, where he's only on screen maybe for 45 or 50 minutes, I mean, he's on there for, like, well over an hour. Like, this is mostly Shia's movie. Yeah, and he really has some good scenes, too. That one scene at the end with Chaz Palminteri, where he's, like, trying to hug him, and he, you know, raises his arms up and everything like that gets uncomfortably long but you know to the point of wow this is this is good it's almost like the reverse of the goodwill hunting scene where <laughs> robin williams is trying to hug matt damon and tell him everything's okay but it doesn't quite go that way in this movie yeah uh any other notes that you have because i think i'm tapped out i also didn't really have that many notes i mean i kind of just got caught up in this one to be honest with you like yeah. it just it kind of whisked me away and I just was along for the journey with this uh, I mean I mentioned the structure and the style uh, you know just to reiterate like knowing this is an, an adaptation like of a book it's it's one of my favorite types of adaptations where yeah. it's like that self-aware type and I have a feeling like he even elaborated maybe with the screenplay because I haven't read the book but I don't know if it goes into all that stuff about present day right with his father having to go to right, the hospital right. so who knows if maybe he even expanded on his own material and are just I, I really can feel like this was the right way to do it and uh yeah it's just it was really uh, entertaining and and enjoyable so <laughs> i'm glad i'm glad it was on the list compared to the last movie we just talked about bobby they both feel like hmm. slices of life but this is like a slice that i want to live in more i want to spend more time in whereas bobby i'm just like i feel like i'm just wandering around hmm. like where like what's going on like where's the where's all the interesting things yeah i feel like i'm lost in a hotel in that movie and it's funny like that movie takes place over a day and it feels like an entire summer and yet <laughs> and this movie takes place over like an entire summer and really feels like it like it's cool i don't know just i don't i don't want i don't say we sh- these are it's like apples to oranges but I, i've always complained sometimes about the sense of time in films and yep. you know you can't really feel how long it's been but i definitely felt it in this one i feel like it did a good job of portraying time passing and all that kind of stuff yeah so watch this movie enjoy it for all things all his movies you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com slash cage club see the episodes we've done already see what's coming next find the other shows on the network lots of fun things for you to do with those two places i'm joey lewandowski and i'm mike manzi and we'll see you next time on all his movies I've got an Ill-